This presentation is from Managing Design 2016, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. So this is Arnie. He works at the Customer Experience Company. And he's going to be talking about how, um, how like, some internal work that they've been doing, again, around managing design inside and making things work. Thanks. Hi, thank you for that. So, um, like Donna said, my name is Arnie Packey from the Customer Experience Company. I'm here to try and make performance management interesting. So, I've got 20 minutes. Let's see how I go. A um, little bit about myself, firstly. That's me. Um, this isn't some... I'm not grandiosing anything. This is important for later, so bear with me. A little bit about myself. So, I've been a developer in my life, a BA, an architect, a project manager. Um, this is less important for later, but I'm into photography, I like burgers, and I'm terrified of public speaking. So this is a character-building exercise for me today. I want to tell you a story about a journey we went through about a year ago now around performance management. Um, a little context of the story is important. I think you need to really understand the type of company we are, how big we are, where we come from, to really appreciate, I guess, what we've gone through. So just very quickly, we are a consultancy, innovation design firm, like many of the people here today. Um, we have BAs, we have UXs, we have service designers, we have change managers, project managers, whatever else. Um, the company itself has been going since about 2003, so about 13 years, of which I've been there for about three. Um, and we are 50 happy people across Melbourne and Sydney. Um, in saying that, does anyone remember this happening last year when it suddenly became fashionable to dish performance management altogether? Familiar? All the big companies were doing it. It was great, a death of performance management. Let's get rid of all that rubbish process that no one really uses anyway. The words that kind of get bandied around, oh, it's just a lip service process. No one really pays attention. It's unfair. It's biased. And more importantly, it's just driving the wrong behaviors. Now, we saw all this, and you know, as you do, you kind of go, ha those guys, they've got no idea what they're doing. We're perfectly fine. Then you kind of stop and think to yourselves, hang on a sec. Do they know something we don't? Do we actually have a problem? There is the five stages of grief, and I've summarized it very quickly here, which is the, you go through the denial? Absolutely not. We don't have a problem. We're fine. We're 50 people. Those guys are thousands of people. Surely they've just got completely wrong. Then the bargaining. It might not be perfect, but it'll do. Surely? Maybe? Don't know. And then the acceptance of actually going, all right, they do know something we don't know. Let's work out what's wrong. It really comes down to what are you trying to get out of your performance management process? Are you trying to measure how your staff are performing? Um, is it about providing a process to grow your staff? Is it about compensating and rewarding people? I think the truth is, it's a little bit of everything. And that's what we thought when we started out. But I think as we went through the process, we found a few surprises. Our method. So again, I'll just give a quick rundown of how we ran performance management at CEC now. We have a concept called families, which basically means from the director down, you have a team of about two to five people who you're responsible for in terms of coaching, career development, performance training skills. You know, they come to you for advice and you provide them a roadmap of how they're going to work for the next six months. Six monthly review cycle. Basically, every six months, you sit down with your, the head of your family you set your goals for the year, or the six months, sorry. Um, at the end of the six-month period, you'd go back and review how you did against them. 
what we measured. Now, again, coming from a consulting company, some of these might seem a little bit weird, but bear with me. Um, we measured against sales, so how people contributed to sales efforts. We measured delivery, how people did on projects, both in a 360 format, where people get feedback on each other, as well as a, an engagement review at the end. Um, we measured knowledge. What's your contribution to the knowledge base within a consulting company? We measured people. What's your involvement in people management activities? And we measured practice. So what's your contribution to specific methodologies, so on and so forth now? Does any of this seem familiar to anyone? It's pretty much the exact same process we were laughing at for the other companies that are ditching. So it's kind of a little bit hypocritical for us in the end. Oh, last but not least, we pride ourselves on no ranking for a small company. So having looked at our process and gone, these guys are ditching the exact same process we're following, we need to rethink how we do things. Firstly, do we have a problem? Let's practice what we preach. We're a design company. We should be able to do this. Three months. Now, that might seem like an awfully long time, but I'll explain why it took three months in a second. We started off with a fairly detailed review of where we are, not just in terms of process, but what are actually people contributing to the performance management process? And this actually involved going back through people's goals for the last two years at a fairly senior level just to understand, well, what are people actually putting in their goals? Are they actually achieving them? What are people getting out of these coaching sessions? Are they getting the right training? Are they with the right people? Diagnosis is always fun. Once we kind of had, I guess, a set of hypotheses, which I'll get to in a second, it really came down to, okay, let's sit down and bounce some ideas off people. The way we did this was, again, we co-designed the thing from scratch. We kind of tried to practice what we preach, not say it over and over again. We sat down with new joiners. We sat down with people who had been there for five years. We sat down with um, you know, junior staff who had been there for a couple of months. We sat down with people who had been around for years and years. We sat down with the consultants and the project managers. We sat down with the designers and the UXs. And we kind of got everyone to give their perspective on what they wanted at performance management, what, what success looked like to them. And of course, as with any design thinking process, we came up with some pretty crazy ideas. And more importantly, over the course of three months, we pretty much engaged everyone in the company in this process, directed down to um, even the non-billable staff, the HR person, the receptionist, everyone else. And of course, we did the double diamond thing. Um, I'm not going to go through that, but it was interesting. So where do we end up? A couple of general lessons. It was really hard, like surprisingly hard. I said three months. You think for a company of 50 people, how on earth could that take three months? Performance management is one of those funny things in organizations that it's a little taboo to talk about. Trying to get people to open up about, well, trying to get people to criticize a process that directly affects their progress, their promotions, their remuneration, their bonuses, was much, much harder than we expected. Even in a company that we felt had quite an open understanding culture towards one another, it took a good month before people really started to talk about what they didn't like about the process. And that was one of the biggest challenges we had. Talking about remu bonuses is one thing. Trying to get people across the line on, do you really understand what it means to be progressing with this company? Is it promotions? Is it pay? Is it growing skills? Is it growing talent? Again, another really, really hard nut to crack. I think the biggest thing we cracked in the end was the entire process, and again, this was true of the process coming from a big four, big four company, 
is that there's an underlying assumption that you want to progress within that company and you want to progress up a certain line. Now, like my myself, I've only been there three years, and before that I was somewhere for nine years, and I grew and I developed there. And I'm not going to be at CC forever. That's just the reality of it. But I will grow while I'm there. It's just breaking down that silly assumption that you're on this performance management path, and the only way you can get rewarded is by going up this ladder. It was a it was very, very hard nut to crack. But once we got past that, the conversation really started flowing. <laughs> the other one which I love is people know how the game is played. Being a design company for the consultants, you come across some pretty strong personalities. They like to get their way, and we tried very hard to make sure that whatever we came up with actually was fair to the entire company, not just a particular set of personalities. It's very, very tempting for someone who's quite senior to stand over someone who's a junior and say, hey, it's great, you've come with a marvellous process, but how about you just do it this way? It's very, very hard to push back on that. Our main insights. Um, there was a few obvious things and a few surprises. The obvious things. We're a strange bunch of people. As a consulting firm, and I'll go back to the first slide I put up, I've come from a very structured background, let's say. Change, project management, business analysis. It's hard to find another person like me at CEC. In fact, if you try to look for a typical designer in CEC, you wouldn't find one. Everyone comes from a very different background. We've got industrial designers, interior designers, we've got architects, we've got change managers, project managers. People's backgrounds are as varied as where they want to go next, is what we learned out of this. People come to CEC for a reason. They come here to learn a specific set of skills. They want to grow a specific set of skills. But it's not to say that that's where their growth is going to stop. And I think recognizing that was, again, quite powerful. And opening up that discussion was quite powerful. Some people want to stay at CEC and grow their careers, and that's fine. But the process was pretty much only geared for that. Some people wanted to get the biggest bonus every six months. And again, if that's what makes them happy, that's fine. But we weren't really geared for that. And some other people, they had a specific set of things they wanted to do at CEC before moving on. Again, going back a couple of years, we've had people who joined CEC and then left. And they went off to start their own companies, startups get head-off positions in big banks and telcos. That's all fine. It's just kind of getting okay with that in the performance management process. And yes, we did the box-checking thing that we laughed at everyone else about as well. This was mainly due to a lot of assumptions that come along with the performance management process. We had these really weird behaviors, and I'm sure many of you would have done the same, is from period to period, you simply copy-paste your goals from one period to the next over and over and over again. Why do you do that? Like, no one knows. It's just that I don't think this is any value to me, so I'm just going to check the box that says I've set my goals for the year, and six months later I'll check the box that says I've discussed my goals. It doesn't really give you anything back. And so, again, this was a big problem we had to solve. People made some odd assumptions about how performance management should work. We have this little matrix. Um, as you do in performance management, we have the sales, service, knowledge, whatever else, and the grades down the side. And each little box in the matrix, there'll be a set of, as a manager in sales, you need to do these things. People assume there was a ceiling in terms of what they could and couldn't do. And so, again, that led to some really strange behaviors. People would deliberately set low goals so they could overachieve and get a nice big 
tick. People would not really understand that and set really high goals. But even if they've achieved higher than someone else at a lower goal, they would not get a tick. They'd get a cross. So it's, again, it's a process driving some really strange behaviors. And a lot of this, I think the more experienced managers in the company knew how to go around it. But again, because it was in a document on paper in a process, people just kind of went with the letter of the law as opposed to really trying to understand the meaning behind it. The biggest thing is, as a company, we've changed quite a lot. In the three years I've been there, we've gone from 30 to 50. In the last five years, we've gone from 10 to 50. This process was developed at a time where the company was five to 10 people. We're now 50 people. At the time this process was delivered, sales, delivery, knowledge, people, whatever else, everyone did everything. Now we have a sales director. We have practice leads. We have specialized roles that really aren't accounted for. I think more importantly, even the people that have been there for a while, it wasn't that long ago that you know, senior management in the company would be project leads. They'd be the person on a project who'd be responsible for delivery. But now those are managers. Senior managers have evolved into something else. They're now more like account execs, really, for the majority. So they sit across multiple clients, and um, it's really the managers that do the day-to-day -day project management. Um, senior managers, again, used to be the only people that had counselees, so people that they managed from a you know, performance perspective. But in the last couple of years, every single manager of the company now has at least two people they're responsible for. But that's not actually in the performance management matrix. So you're not recognized for that. Um, it was quite hard, again, to go back and go, why don't we realize this as it was happening? And I think the learning here is when you're inside the company, you just kind of roll with it six months after six months. It really took a big effort to step back and go, a lot of this stuff simply isn't working anymore. What we did next, it turns out people didn't really want to change a great deal. We had a lot of crazy ideas to get us wrong, but... What they wanted was quite simple, just a bit, of a bit of a tweak on what we were doing now as opposed to changing anything radically. One of the big things we did was separate performance and goals. This is quite a hard concept to get the company across, but it's working beautifully. What this meant was that at every grade, you would have a set of minimum things that were expected of you at that grade, which are completely independent from your goals. So what this allowed you to do now was set your goals as high as low as you wanted, but it also allowed your people manager to help you achieve those goals. But you also had to meet a minimum set of performance requirements. To put this into context, let's say um, at a senior manager level, you have sales targets. Now, there is a minimum expectation required as a sales target for every single manager. But people can set goals above that now. More than that, they can set goals that aren't directly related to sales numbers. They can set goals around the amount of accounts they want to sit over. They can set goals around the amount of accounts they want to bring in, the accounts they want to grow. Those things aren't hard set in the performance, but they can set them as goals. More powerfully for the junior staff, where there's a lot of confusion around, actually, I'm, you know, I'm straight out of graduate school, whatever it's called here. Um, I don't know what I want to do. How do I set my goals? And so all of a sudden it becomes okay to set a goal of, I don't know what I want to do for the next six months. I just want to find that as much as possible about all the things I could learn here. And that's okay too. In the previous process, they would have been penalized for it. And you know what they would have done? They would have put forward some set of stuff they would never would have paid attention to ever again. We also revised expectations by role. So this kind of is back on the earlier point around we've evolved as a company. 
let's tailor our specific expectations to the roles we actually play. And this actually involved going back across all the roles we've played from UX designer to account managers and just understanding what are the types of things we actually do these days and what constitutes success and then changing our goals based on that. We had new performance measures. One thing I haven't talked about, but I'll just allude to briefly. Remember the five categories I talked about, the sales, da 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 da? No one actually knew the difference between them for the large part, and some of it was nonsensical. Practice management, knowledge management, what's the difference between those two, really? What's the difference between knowledge management and people? It just didn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, and again, for a long time, people just assumed the person next to them knew what it meant, and they really didn't. So we changed all that. We got rid of people. We kept sales and delivery because we're still a consulting company. We still need those things. Um, but we did get rid of the knowledge, practice, and people. And we simply just changed it to building yourself, which is a recognition that we want you to grow here, regardless of what your career ambitions are, and then simply just building CEC because we want you to contribute to CEC while you are here. We also redefined excellence. This was a... This was a bit of a funny one. So in the previous system, let's say to get an exceeds overall, to get your max possible bonus, you pretty much have to hit the highest number in every single category, sales, deliveries, whatever else. That was driving a lot of wrong behaviors. People were getting burnt out, stressed out for things that necessarily weren't important. Also, not everyone, I think Alistair alluded to earlier today, is not everyone wants to be a people manager, but we had a we had a performance management process that rewarded people by putting them into a job they didn't want to do, potentially. So this really came back to redefining roles and redefining excellence. So in the rewrite of this process, we now made it so you don't need to hit the top category in each of those mega processes to get an exceeds a role. You just have to hit one or two, and you can pick the two that you want to succeed in. What's next? A long road ahead. We rolled the process out in January. Um, it turned out to be quite easy to roll it out because everyone was part of the design process, so it went quite smoothly, I'm glad to say. I think the big next step for us is to move away from grades. And again, um, as Alice alluded to earlier today, this is all about recognizing that people don't have a path that goes always straight up the director. There isn't always a, I want to be an account manager or manage people. Some people just want to do cool shit. And we need to be able to recognize for that and allow them to build towards that. So again, this is something that's definitely in the next steps. People get it. I think this was the other cool thing about it. A lot of stuff that, I think, we looked at the previous process and intuitively it made a lot of sense, but actually going through the process with an open mind, it didn't. The new process does. Separation of goals and new mega processes. Um, people really get it. We have six weeks before we hit the first, I guess, test point of the new process. So we'll go through the new um, round in about yeah, six to eight weeks. And we're going to learn. We're not there yet. One of the big things that I still want to change is why six monthly cycles? You know, there is a pragmatic reason for that. But hey, we can come up with some crazy ideas around this. Next step, let's get rid of that. Let's do something a bit cleverer. That's me. Thank you for listening. I hope I tried to make, well, I hope I made performance management a little bit sexy. Um, if not, um, you can always talk to me about burgers. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from Managing Design 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.